so you've been in the hospital, you get word that it's time for you to leave, it's time for you to go to a rehabilitation center or a skilled nursing facility, SNFs, what they're called, nursing home, uh, con home, aka convalescent home. So what do you do? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. I'm Lana Nozizwe and welcome to Con Home Confidential. This is a podcast that tells you everything they won't tell you and they don't tell you about nursing homes, SNFs, con homes, a.k.a. convalescent homes. My muse and inspiration for this podcast is Dr. Hume Tomzanka Siwundla, an educator who has taught me so much. The purpose of this show is to help you or your loved ones because I know I had no idea about this realm when I first fell into the rabbit hole and there was really nobody to ask for help. And just as this is the first episode of Con Home Confidential, I'm going to give you my experience with the first time in dealing with all of this in hopes that it will help you. So, this is a situation with a loved one who I never heard anything from the doctors about what was going on, but did get word from a social worker that it was time to go. This social worker said, here's a facility that your loved one should go to. And the only warning that I received basically was that there would be more than one patient in the room, which like, okay, you know, no problem. My first mistake was to say, okay, all right. And my first mistake was to trust the social worker, I must say, because I thought this was a big deal hospital. You may have heard of the name of the hospital. You've certainly heard of many of the celebrity patients who go there in illness to have babies. And so I thought, okay, you know, they have a great reputation. They know what they're talking about. Their employees would know what they're talking about. But I have come to learn that a social worker in this context is a hospital worker, not a patient worker. And it makes sense because they're paid for by the hospital. But that's something to keep in mind throughout your journey in that Not only does a social worker at a hospital really, I mean, they do work for the hospital. When you go to a rehabilitation facility, when you go to a skilled nursing facility, when you go to a con home, that social worker is going to be a con home worker, a sniff worker, a rehab facility worker. So you need to keep your eyes open. I will say that in this first instance, I said, okay, I took the recommendation. I had never even heard directly from the doctor regarding my loved one, but I said, okay, you know, let's go. So I happened to, I didn't happen to, I scheduled it so I would be able to go with my loved one in the ambulance to the facility. That's one thing that I recommend very highly. I also really recommend very highly 
and I'll devote a whole podcast to all of this, that you check out the facility. Don't trust the referral. I later asked the social worker if she had ever gone to the facility and even knew what it looked like, and she did not. So it's like getting a recommendation for a restaurant that the person who's referring you to this restaurant has never been to, except it's a lot more important of a referral than saying, hey, you know, this is a wonderful Thai place down the street. So do keep that in mind. It's more than likely. In my experiences over more than half a dozen years with con homes, I only met one social worker who had actually been to any of the facilities. So keep that in mind. So I did go along that night. It was a night, a weekend night, to this facility that was recommended by this big deal hospital. And walking through the doors was frightening. There was a whole grouping of people in various levels of pain and disability all gathered around the nursing station. I later came to find that this was the way that this facility, and it's a practice that's also used at other facilities, but instead of having the personnel go out to the rooms, they have the patients in wheelchairs around the nursing station as a way of looking after them. So I was a little bit scared when I saw that. Then finally, my loved one was settled into a room with two roommates and my loved one tried to get out of bed. Now, this might not seem scary in some contexts or, you know, some situations, but I will say that I was terrified and that I had a coworker whose father was in a similar facility and he tried to get out of bed. He was a very active man, so it's not like something out of the norm um, to get it, want to get out of bed, but he got out of bed. There were no batteries in the bed alarm. I mean, they did have a bed alarm, but no batteries. He fell and he ended up passing away. So that story from the coworker always really terrified me. So when my loved one tried to get out of bed, I watched to see. I I didn't let it get too far, but I wanted to see if there was a bed alarm. I wanted to see how they would be reacting were I not there. Nothing. So finally, after making sure my loved one was safe, I went to the nursing station and said, you know, my loved one just tried to get out of bed. There was no response. They came in. And they said, because I'd asked going in, do you have bed alarms? And they said, yes, that was something I definitely asked about. So they came into the room and they said, oh, it's unplugged. And they were very nonchalant. I said, okay. So then within an hour, my loved one, you know, wanted to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. But my loved one was not strong enough to do that alone. But the loved one tried to get up again and nothing 
Again, I watched to see how far my loved one would go, if there were any alarms, and there were no alarms. So I went back to the nursing station, and I was basically told, well, we're busy. That just absolutely terrified me. And even though I'd planned to go home after making sure my loved one was settled in, I decided I was going to spend the night and figure out a way to do something better the next day. I put my head at the end of the bed of my loved one, and I just went to sleep, or tried to go to sleep. Well, then the 11 o'clock shift came in, and one of my loved one's roommates started to get out of bed. Immediately, the CNA, Certified Nursing Assistant, came into the room, checked on the patient, made sure everything was okay, and boy, did that make me feel a lot better. We chatted a little bit. I told him about my concerns. He said he was going to be on till 7 in the morning, and I said, I'll, I'll be back. You know, I'll be back at 7, but I trust you and thank you. And that was another lesson from my first time getting into this situation, getting so intimate with con homes, was that the person who's going to have the most impact on you or on the life of your loved one is going to be the certified nursing assistant. Not the nurse, and the nurses who are most visible are LVNs. They generally dispense the medication. Generally speaking, there are not RNs. In my experience in Southern California who dispense the medications, you'll find an RN as a DON, a director of nursing, and that's about it. But day in and day out, your life or your loved one's life depends on the normally underpaid, the normally overworked CNA. This guy was terrific. So I felt secure enough. I went home that night and slept. I went home at about midnight, but I knew he was going to be watching my loved one for the night. Well, subsequently, I did find some employees who cared about what they did and cared about the patients, but I also came to see uh, chronic and repeated actions and activities that made me extremely uncomfortable at the facility, including they would strap my loved one into a wheelchair. I didn't find out until my loved one came home, but the strap even scarred my loved one. And when my loved one came home, my loved one also had a communicable disease. And again, this loved one had been in the care of either the hospital or this nursing facility for weeks. So I learned so much, and I'm going to give you the top five things that I learned. One, and I didn't really do this, I'll admit, I trusted the social worker, the hospital worker. Do your own research before you just take what the hospital worker, what the social worker recommends. That's number one. 
Number two, visit the facility yourself. Again, that goes back to not trusting the word. But first, go online. I think Yelp has been really accurate in all my dealings. Really accurate. Also, Medicare.gov has the specific reports, the governmental reports, the inspections. Be very aware of those. But again, I found Yelp to be very, very accurate. That was number one. Two was visit the facility. Look, just observe what's the ratio between staff and patients. And you can even ask. They're, they should be able to supply you with that specific information about ratios. But again, I found that it doesn't necessarily matter just what the ratios are, but who the people are. And that would be tip number three. Get to know the people who are working there. They're not necessarily your enemies. You do want to do whatever you can to make them allies. Tragically, I found so many abhorrent things that I witnessed that they didn't, many didn't seem to care that I witnessed them. And in talking to a lot of people in the health care business, I, I call it the medical industrial complex, this experience that I've had, this experience my loved one has had, is the rule and not the exception. I would say my next tip is to quickly inform your primary care physician or your loved one's primary care physician. See if they will visit the facility because again, primarily the care that they're getting is going to be through the CNA who is already overworked. So see what you can do about getting your own doctor instead of relying on the facility's doctor because the facility's doctor is the facility's doctor. They work for the facility. And I have really seen over the years evidence of that. So make sure you have an advocate. And I say by having an outside advocate that's not connected to the facility, that's one way of knowing that you will have someone looking after you or your loved one. And the other thing that I would say that I really learned from my first time is document, document, document. Don't say that CNA with the brown hair said such and such. Get names, know the, their shifts, know the times, document so you know. If you've talked to an LVN who says she's too busy to check on a bell alarm, know who it is. So down the road... When you tell somebody about it, and I do encourage you to tell somebody about it, that you can be specific. So those are my recollections of my first time. I hope your experiences or the experiences of your loved ones are better than mine. I really want you to be on the lookout. Stay safe. I look forward to getting back together with you for the next edition of Con Home Confidential, and don't be conned. Love you, Bombo.